Hello and welcome to We Know WeHo, the award-winning podcast about the businesses and people of West Hollywood. I am your host, Tracy Passo. This is part two of our episode featuring the newly published Once Upon a Cocktail West Hollywood book, a spectacularly innovative recipe book featuring 54 of the most treasured venues from across the creative city of West Hollywood. This book is brought to life by Imagineer, illustrator, and West Hollywood resident, Katie Brightside, with over 850 illustrations showcasing a feast of concoctions curated by veteran barkeep Sarah L.M. Mengoni. Once Upon a Cocktail is not simply a recipe book, but a tour guide style drinking adventure from a world-class region. I can attest there are a lot of cocktail books out there, but Once Upon a Cocktail West Hollywood is in a league of its own. I particularly love this project as it is so community-based and is headed up by two women, and there are so many other women who contributed recipes and provided support on this long two-year journey. Joining me today are the creators of Once Upon a Cocktail, Katie and Sarah. Be sure to check out part one of the podcast for our detailed conversation. Welcome back, Katie and Sarah, for part two. Thanks for having us back. And we have uh, compiled, and this is in quotes, in the words of Katie, quote, a cocktail dream team consisting of three incredible ladies, Heidi Whitekind, Lauren Trickett, and Bryn Smith. Let me tell you a little bit about this dream team before we get into our conversation today. Heidi Whitekind is the bar director at Tess Restaurant in West Hollywood. She's been in the hospitality industry for 21 years, starting as a host at Chili's when she was 17. Heidi is a maker at her core and constantly got in trouble at school for talking too much. So bartending was a natural fit for her when she turned 21. At Tess, she focuses on fresh ingredients, reducing waste behind the bar and supporting women in the industry. At home, she is addicted to cooking competition shows, adding to her plant and rock collections and having too many cats, which is actually just the right amount. Welcome to We Know We Ho, Heidi. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to have you here. I shouldn't have favorites, but Tess is uh, one of my favorites there up on the Sunset Strip. So I'm excited to have you today. Oh, I love to hear that. Next time you're in, you have to come say hi at the bar top. Yeah, so we, um, we've talked about Tess a lot in the past on this podcast, and I absolutely um, love the bone marrow luge, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it's the best, and just so you know, I'm the only reason why it even exists there. Oh, they weren't going to do it in the beginning. They were like, I don't think that's really our brand, and then it like totally blew up. We're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal for it, and I love to rub that in Jordan, our owner's face, all the time. Oh, yes. I- I didn't know that. That's I know Jordan um very well. Well, all right. Next up, I'm honored to introduce Lauren Trickett, whose career in hospitality began at the age of 17, working the 5 a.m. shift as a barista at a local cafe. She was pursuing a career in film and television when she began bartending and instantly fell in love with cocktail creation and the ability to curate a quality guest experience. Lauren then went on to work as a beverage director and mixologist in Los Angeles before leaving the bartender life for one as a brand ambassador. She has a passion for storytelling and bringing brands to life while increasing connectivity in the surrounding community. As a national brand ambassador for Mount Gay Rum and Contro, Lauren is honored to be representing the stories of these iconic brands and is enjoying the opportunity to work alongside the dynamic team at Remy Contro. She lives in 
Long Beach, California with her husband and two children. She's an avid runner and cyclist and is always trying to convince others to do outdoor activities or DIY projects with her. Welcome to We Know We Ho, Lauren. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Lauren. And I have to say, um, in the last podcast, Katie said she got a, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say flack, from uh, Sarah about how to pronounce that thing. So um, I should have checked in the beginning, but did I say that right? Is it Contro? It's it's Quan, like like Kwanzaa, I guess is okay. like the most American. I mean, we could go really French. It's a Quantro. Um, but that's that's even more convoluted for for our American ears. So yeah, just Quantro is probably the the simplest way to say. It. You're really close though, and it doesn't matter to me if you're if you're buying the bottle and you're enjoying your cocktail. Then you say how you like to say it. Right, it tastes all the same. To, to, uh, to <laughs> say it right. <laughs> I would never correct someone in public. I would just you know like maybe say it more loudly next time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, welcome, Lauren. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you today. Rounding out our dream team, we have Bryn Smith, who is an Angelino by way of a small town in Washington state. She has worked in the hospitality industry for many years, during which she developed a voracious passion for concocting libations. In 2011, at the height of the craft cocktail renaissance, that passion became a full-time career. Ever since, Bryn has been working with many different liquor brands, creating specialty cocktails, cocktail videos, and teaching virtual mixology. She also has been consulting, curating menus, managing, and mixing at some of the coolest places in Los Angeles. Bryn has been featured in Forbes, LA Times, Thrillist, Eater, Chilled Magazine, LA Magazine, Thirsty, Nylon, Bravo, Tasting Table, DuJour, and many more. You can find her mixing up daily over on her Instagram account at Bartending Pretty or at the newly opened bar next door in West Hollywood as the bar director. Welcome to We Know We Hope, Bryn Smith. Hello. Thank you. Bryn, I was just in Los Angeles and I was so sad I did not have a chance to pop into bar next door, but I hear it's like all the rage. It's been going very well. Yesterday was our six month anniversary and it's crazy how that happened all of a sudden, but no, we're, we're doing really well and it's been really awesome to be the new watering hole on the strip. Ah, it's, that's amazing. And it was just kind of serendipity, if you will, because a couple of my friends said they were really enjoying the scene up there and the cocktails up there. And then um, Kitty put together this group and you were part of it. Lots of kismet. Really excited for our conversation today. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Thrilled to be here. Well, I have to admit to everybody here, uh, including my audience, that I've never had this many people on the podcast before, <laughs> but here it goes. All right. So uh, we're going to start uh, one at a time um, with the same question. And let's start with Lauren. Our first question for the three of you is, how did you get involved uh, with this project with Once Upon a Cocktail? I mean, as you kind of said earlier, this this project and what Katie and I talked about was its connectivity and community. And Katie and I met almost a decade ago. Um, I was working at an event as a brand ambassador and I, she was there as an artist, I believe. Um, and then a year and a half ago, almost, she and I literally bumped into each other, like physically bumped into each other again on the streets of West Hollywood. And I'm laughing right now because I just realized that Heidi and I, Heidi, I believe you and I met probably close to eight years ago as well. Um, when you were bartending at a, at a hotel bar, I want to say in Beverly Hills. So like everything about the community and the bartending community especially is so tight. 
and we love supporting each other. So the opportunity to support something that is a female led and then B speaks to our industry. Um, I, I had no choice but to join in when Katie, when Katie told me all about it. Hmm, I, I don't think it. you had a choice. <laughs> I literally accosted you. We were outside the den. I was like, Lauren, I need money. <laughs> uh, well, Katie, your uh, enthusiasm, as uh, everyone here knows, is extremely infectious. Same question, Heidi. How'd you get involved with the project? So I was at Tess working a shift and these two wonderful women came in and sat down at the bar and were having some charcuterie and ordering tons of cocktails off of the menu, but not really finishing them. And I was like, oh, no, do you hate my cocktails? Are these not good? And then they kind of explained what they were doing out doing research for the book. And I had already gotten such a good vibe from them. And they um, fell in love with uh, one of the cocktails that they had and asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And I jumped at the chance because, um, again, they just had such good, positive vibes. And I was hoping that they'd be, you know, becoming regulars and coming back to the bar anyway. So this was a way that I trapped them into it. Mm, I love that. I you know I, I'm really loving this conversation because, you know, as all of you working in the hospitality and the F&B business, you know, there are um, not a lot of not a lot of women, you know, not a lot of women owned restaurants. And a lot of the hospitality groups are, um, you know, um, I don't know, is there a female hospitality group? But anyway, I, I, I particularly love this project and uh, I just could just feel the camaraderie and support um, as we're just getting going here. And it's, that's such a magical thing. So, um, well, and that's something that I think a lot about when I'm, um, you know, populating the back bar or um, picking out different um, vendors or companies to work with is if there is a way for me to support a woman in the industry, I want to do that because we are so underrepresented and uh, women are amazing and doing amazing things. And sometimes all it takes is just saying yes to a product, a project or, you know, like offering some small amount of support. And if everybody actively chooses to do that, then we will no longer be underrepresented. Mm -hmm. It's true. And uh, just a little side note there. I think I'm correct, but I know that we only have two, well, three, if you can include what Lisa Vanderpump owns, but um, our two smaller restaurants that are women owned and that have chefs are Pura Vida and uh, Otis Thai in West Hollywood. And those are the only two that I know and very few um, women owned businesses. All right, Bryn, how did you get involved with the project? So I, of course, was late to the game of being able to be included into the book, um, which when I saw the book, I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Because I was, again, pandemic times, I'm sure afterwards, I was doing a lot of um, freelance work. So I wasn't really running a program yet. Um, but I met Ali, who runs for Remy Quattro as well. And I think she gave um, Katie and Lauren an idea to have an event with us with the book. And then I found out all about the book. I met Katie and I fell in love because I love her enthusiasm and I love how she's celebrating um, amazing things on West Hollywood. And then I have worked an event with Sarah a long time ago and it was a women's event for mixology, which was amazing. So I have ties with everyone here, but unfortunately I didn't get to be in the book yet. Maybe there'll be a volume two. Um, but no, I'm just thrilled that I get to host an event tonight at the bar next door for the book and just be able to be included now in the conversation. 
Oh, that's amazing. Well, um, I yeah. hope to do a volume two because I, I told <laughs> them in, uh, in a part one, which you'll all hear um, when you listen to it, is that uh, we know WeHo um, would like to have a cocktail in that volume two, and it's going to be bourbon based. So <laughs> nice. I'm going to need some help and some consulting from everybody there. But anyway, <laughs> um, next question. I'd love for you all, we've already heard you beam about Katie and Sarah, but we've got the book. It's published. I mean, share your thoughts about the book and this amazing creation and really how it felt to be involved in the project once you actually had the book in hands. And let's start with Lauren again on that question. Okay, well, spoiler alert, I have not had the book in hands yet because our our event is tonight. So I will get to finally hold it and see it. And um, I, I have seen all the rough copies and things that Katie has shared with me. But my job on or my contribution really was, as Katie mentioned, was kind of securing some funding where I could while uh, working with different brands and making sure that if there was an opportunity to support, whether small or large, I got absolutely every ounce out of anyone I possibly could because supporting this project really does mean a lot to to myself. So I'm excited. Today will be my my first day. In a couple hours, I will be I'll be flipping through these pages and um I guess, you know, I'll update you then. But I'm sure it's it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. All right, I want to ask you a question and it, it may forewarn, it may get cut on the edit floor, but I, I want to ask you, Lauren, you know, because there's such male dominance, obviously in the liquor industry, very few uh, female owned brands. I know one uh, tequila that I love a lot. Did you find like some reluctance or is there a lot of support for it? Um, I did not find reluctance, but I've also positioned myself into a place where I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm lucky, but I've, I've worked to gain the respect of the company that I'm in right now. And when I bring a project to the floor, it's taken with excitement, I think for the most part. And if, luckily, I think working within Remy Quantro, I have not had an, an opportunity for them to shut me down just because it's a female driven thing or something like that. They've been incredibly supportive and open to listening to anything I've brought to the floor. And both the brands that I represent as a national brand ambassador are, um, female master blenders. So Mount Gay Rum is a, has our first female master blender in 320 years. And Cointreau also has a female master blender. So they know that these are projects that I'm actively seeking out um, in order to amplify the message from our brands. Wow. So it kind of was like a perfect fit. It sounds like, like an ideal fit. Wow. More kismet in the project. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to stumble into people on the streets of WeHo. That's how it happens. Yeah. Just lots of magnetism in this project. I love it when something comes from your heart and it's so inspirational. Uh, Heidi, um, how about you? Have you seen the book? Uh, what are your thoughts? Like the first time you opened it, you know, you took a look at the drawings. Um, you saw your, your page with your drink. I have been lucky enough to see the book and hold it and do a quick little photo shoot with Katie in the restaurant with it. I was very, very excited. Speaking of stumbling into people on the street, uh, not soon uh, or not long after I met Katie and Sarah, I was walking to uh, the closest bar to my apartment. And across the street, I see Katie and Sarah walking out of Katie's apartment, which is apparently right across the street from mine. And we found out that we had a lot of mutual friends and go to the same places. So I've been lucky enough to um, see Katie pretty frequently or fairly frequently over the whole process and get little updates and see sneak peeks of the drawings. But at 
actually finally seeing it in print and flipping through it and, you know, like feeling the weight of the book was really, really awesome. Seeing all of the pieces of um, like all the, of the little details that make Tess Tess that she had come in and taken little sketches or photos of and seeing how they all came together was just really touching. And I loved it. And I'm so proud of um, what she's done and the ideas uh, with the books going forward. And, um, you know, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts about, um, you know, different ideas that she's told me, but I just know that this is the first of a lot of great things. And uh, again, I'm just really happy to have uh, met them and to be a part of it and to see where it goes and to see other people's reactions to the book. Uh, it definitely is much more than just a cocktail recipe book. And I love that the bars are all broken down kind of by area of WeHo. And it really is like a tour guide. And there's a lot of personality in the little snippets, or I, I think one of the words that she, the fandangle. So it's just, it's a really fun, exciting book. And um, it's very whimsical in the illustrations. I can't wait to have my own copy. Oh, yay. Um, Bryn, I kind of wish this conversation was happening tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I did get to see some rough I think like a, bi a bound one that Katie had brought in to show me a little bit of the book and I agree with Heidi it's <clears throat> whimsical it's wonderful I love all the intricate drawings that you would have for each of the locations that really tied it in like a tour guide exactly for the city um, and like our city's so special so to have a special book like this is just awesome <laughs> you know what I mean and like about time you know mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I get to see the real thing officially tonight. All right. Well, if you have anything you want, just like text me and I'll put it in and said, Bryn wanted me to add this in. <laughs> <laughs> next round. Next yeah, round. next round, next round. All right. Um, Lauren, yeah. I actually, I have a question for you. You know, I wanted to ask, there's a lot of cocktail books out there and I'm sure you've, um, with all the national brands you work with, have been uh, involved in a few projects like cocktail book projects. Have you ever seen anything quite like this and its uniqueness to this really nope. involves a community. <laughs> nope, never. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is so incredibly special and different um, because of the way it, it encompasses the community and the heritage of WeHo. And I mean, like cocktail books can focus on larger places and, you know, like I think downtown LA has gotten a bit of love. We know we've seen some stuff obviously out of New York and Chicago, but to, to go to WeHo, like, that's, it was to me kind of off the grid, but there's so much there as, you know, as you flip through this book and get to see. And then of course the drawings that we have all alluded to, the artwork is truly phenomenal through and throughout. Um, part of the reason I have stayed in contact with Katie for the last decade is because I secretly want her to create wallpaper for my entire house. Her artwork is just so stunning um, and it complements the cocktails that have been um, curated so incredibly well. I, I agree. I want wallpaper in every room. Yeah. I want um, several different kimonos for season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cocktail napkins. I want it all. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> all right, Heidi, you have a cocktail featured in this book. Uh, it's called the P. Diddy. Uh, tell us all about this amazing cocktail and like the inspiration and how you created it. So the P. Diddy was actually inspired by a sauce that uh, the our chef at Tess, Chef Raphael Francois, 
um, has made in the past and um, something that he's done. I think he I think he started it at the Comet Hotel in London, but we've done it at Test 2 and it's his English pea mojito sauce. And as we were looking to uh, do a little menu change, we were like, if chef is making a sauce named after a cocktail, obviously we need to make a cocktail inspired by his sauce. And um, it was springtime. Uh, the kitchen was shelling peas to use on dishes. And so rather than throw away the pea husks, we would soak them in water for 24 hours and then juice them and they have great pea flavor. So it became, it's kind of like a free, a, a free ingredient, which is great for the bottom line, but also uh, preventing waste, which is something that we care a lot about. There's so much inherent waste in the industry in general that whenever you can use all parts of something, I think that we obviously need to, especially now with, you know, inflation and how expensive everything is. But so we went about creating the cocktail. Obviously, the base, was, or you know, the inspiration was a mojito. Pea and mint go so well together. And I just picked out some different flavors as if I were building a dish. So um, with pea and mint, dill goes really well. Fennel is another flavor that fits right in there. Um, so we've got a, a little bit of anise, a little bit of a Swedish-style uh, aquavit, which has dill notes to it. Um, there is some verjus in there just to make sure that um, lime doesn't take over because lime can be a very dominant flavor. And the base is actually Castra Elion Vodka, which is a brand that is near and dear to my heart. Friends of mine make it. And I can be kind of an anti-vodka snob a little bit. And this was a vodka that as soon as I tasted it, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, it's distilled from Greek olives and it gives a really nice round uh, mouthfeel that I think lends itself so nice to the cocktail. Um, it's bright green, really fresh. Uh, I, I describe it as like the quintessential LA drink because it tastes like green juice, tastes healthy, but it gets you drunk. And then over the uh, colder months, we switch, we keep the same kind of base to the cocktail. And this is also featured in the book, uh, but we switch out pea and mint for carrot and ginger and have the bad bunny. So it's a, a year round uh, offering. And with all of the spirits that you have for the pedity in the, in the cocktail book, again, during the warm months, you can create a different cocktail that same thing. It's still juicy and fresh, but will give you a nice buzz. Okay. And um, as a, uh, I would say a novice cocktail maker, when I look at this, I want to make it at home. Um, I, I feel a little overwhelmed. Um, you know, uh, with the pea husk juice process. <laughs> it's, I mean, it may sound complicated, but I promise it's actually super, super simple. If you, I, I just use a little champion juicer. It's like an at-home juicer and it's really shocking. If you just soak the husks in water, uh, you know, you go to the farmer's market, you can have fresh peas, uh, but the, the peas are actually all starch. So if you want juice, you got to have those husks and fresh peas are so freaking delicious. You will thank yourself for doing the work of shelling them. And then you just put them through the juicer and out comes this beautiful, bright green, delicious juice. Mm, all right. Sold. I just have to put <laughs> it um, like, this should be like a patience level. I think for us novice, like amount of patience to have, but worth it. <laughs> it's well, it's a labor of love. You know, you, you get to, you get to try something else and, um, uh, expand your horizons a little bit. Just like think of it like a project, you know, a fun little like a craft. The recipe check, I actually did do the juicing of the the, the pea husks. And Tracy, it's not as hard as it sounds. 
But one thing we did discover that maybe we should do on the next book is actually have a rating of like one to five of how difficult it will be to make it. So I don't know, Sarah, how difficult would the P Diddy be to make? Okay, so in terms of difficulty with one being the easiest and five being the hardest, I would say it's it's a two. It's quite easy. Um, I even, there were some measurement things that I needed to work out while I was on the road, living in a van, did not have a juicer in the van, but I did have a blender. So I made the pea husk juice in a blender. I blended it and strained it and the um, texture was still nice. It was very easy to do. So I'd say it is, it's, it seems like it's difficult because it's a thing that you haven't done, you know, but really when you do it, it's very easy. Is yeah. that the same as creating a book? Is it easy? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a ten. <laughs> ten out of one to five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, you you all have convinced me. I'm going to give it a go here. I'm going to get some nice peas from the farmers market in Union Square, and I'm going to give it a go and not let you how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you also can just come in and visit me at Tess, and I'll make one for you. I'll do okay. all the, the heavy lifting. That's that's even better. I love that, Heidi. Okay. All right. We're going to go uh, off script here for a minute. And actually, I'm going to have Sarah uh, ask you all a couple of questions. So Sarah, take it away. Yes. Thank you. I'm taking the figurative microphone. Uh, Bryn, I'd like to ask you a question first. So something that I've okay. really enjoyed, especially like following your uh, Instagram account through the pandemic, I love your interest in history, especially like Hollywood history. Yes. And which is why this bar that you're at, like the program that you have there is just such an amazing fit for you. I'm so excited to check it out. So I would, my question for you is how are you incorporating West Hollywood history into your cocktail menu? Well, you should ask, we have a whole little newspaper menu. So with our building, it's in a historic landmark. Um, back in the day, it was a talent agency in 1947. And it just so happened to be Marilyn Monroe's talent agency. Um, the one that actually she came in as Norma Jean and walked in as Marilyn Monroe. When I was coming on on board to do this project and consult at the beginning, I was just going to consult and walk away and leave it to someone else. And then I was like, no, nah, it's too special because of all the history. Well, I got the name Bar Next Door. I saw what the rendering was going to look like. So in my mind, I was like, this is a no brainer. We need to give love and homage to what has been next door to us on the Sunset Strip. And with that, there is so much drink inspiration, if you will. <laughs> um, so I name a lot of the cocktails and um, after different iconic locations, side streets, music venues and things like that just to give love to our amazing sunset strip that's wonderful I yeah, love and it was it. really fun and everyone that comes in is like this is like a pure extension of you like this is what <laughs> your interests are and I'm like yeah like I got to curate everything which was really amazing and my inspo runs deep with these cocktails and I love telling history and with the newspaper it's nice because you see a beautiful visual of it but then you also get like a little tidbit about the cocktail and the cocktail history and the iconic location that we're next door. I knew that we were not a restaurant of course so I knew that we were going to be the stop beginning stop the end stop maybe you're spending all night at the bar next door but you're going to dinner first you might be going to the Beverly Hills Hotel and you might want to have a nightcap 
at the bar next door. So I just thought it would be fun to involve and help <clears throat> promote the specialness of all the venues on the strip. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Yes. Like I said, I just, I can't wait to see that menu. I'm really excited. Thanks, Heidi. I fell in love with it. The whole bar is so cute and the drinks were great. And the staff oh, is so friendly, love. but the menu, I just like melted over. Oh my God. Thank you. I appreciate that. People are like super excited. Like, Can we take it home? I'm like, yeah, that's why we printed thousands of copies. Please take Good. it. <laughs> I'll be taking a copy home tonight. Yeah, <laughs> well, thanks guys. Thanks a lot. It means a lot. Good. Well, thank you, Bryn. So Heidi, I have a question for you. Uh, something that I really loved about the cocktail menu at Tess was just the variety of really interesting ingredients both spirits wise and supporting ingredients. And you talked about this a little bit with the P Diddy and where your inspiration came for the P Husk juice, but I'd sort of like to know overall, like how do you go about choosing these interesting ingredients to put in the cocktails? Um, you know, inspiration comes from a lot of different places. Um, when I'm picking out things to carry on the back bar. Um, obviously, you know, I'll, I'll do a lot of tastings and sometimes I just happen to, you know, be in the right room with the right person who's got an awesome product. But um, I tend to focus on um, local and that can mean local as in from LA, from California, um, you know, Mexico is closer than New York even. But we make so many great things, um, especially here in California. So local and then female driven, you know, lady made or, uh, you know, someone that or lady owned. And you just discover a lot of great flavors. And so sometimes the inspiration comes from tasting a modifier and uh, being like, I really want to put this in a cocktail. Like I discovered um, mom and pop who is uh, she makes amazing wine based uh citrus liqueurs or you know modifiers um mm. from all california citrus they're super seasonal um it's like beautiful labels on the bottle they're just fun they make you happy and they're delicious and so i've created cocktails based on a modifier or um you know sometimes the inspiration is wanting a cocktail of a certain color and so you fall down a rabbit hole and start <laughs> looking for things that are going to give you the color you want or sometimes it's an ingredient from the kitchen because we're always trying to keep the the cocktail menu cohesive with the food menu so that you know they drink well together um, so inspiration really can come from anywhere but it's a lot of um, trying to find things that um, I've just never had or seen before and going from there I love it you you do such a good job it's a really really a great program there thank you so much yeah. All right, Lauren. So Quantro is just a fantastic product. Um, I know it's been around for a really long time. I know for a fact I have a copy of the Savoy cocktail book from 1930. And I looked <laughs> it up and it is mentioned by name in the Savoy. So at least that far back, um, it was mentioned in cocktail books. This is hardly its first. <laughs> um, yeah. so I was wondering it's if actually... you could tell us a little bit about the history of Quantro. How long has it been around? When when was it launched as a product? Yeah, so I mean, it is by name one of the only spirits mentioned in all of the beginning cocktail books, especially the Savoy, um, which is pretty impressive. 
Um, we, we are the original triple sec, which um, now there's like, like Heidi was mentioning, there's a lot of great citrus spirits out on the market. And it's nice to, to work with something with so much heritage that just has been doing what it's been doing for so long. And I actually just found out um, recently that it is the most copied spirit um, in the world. So we have a wall in, in our like Cointreau distillery that has all of the different bottles of other brands that have tried to copy Cointreau. And I mean, some of those have come with some, some cease and desist letters. A lot of them have just come, I mean, like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Um, so to be creating something for as long as they have consistently is pretty impressive. And it is for very, very simple ingredients, right? So we have obviously our orange peels, bitter and sweet orange peels that are all hand peeled, sun dried. And then we have sugar because um, for a liqueur, we do need some sugar. Um, and then our spirit is actually a neutral spirit. Uh, this is where a lot of people get confused. It's not a neutral grain. It's actually made from sugar beets, which is one of the biggest export products for France for, um, for centuries now. So it's like working with what was local. Um, beets made sense for us to make our distillate. And then lastly, we just add our, our, our water from the Loire Valley. So four simple products or four simple ingredients. And the bottle has four unique sides to it. If you've ever seen the bottle, it's a square, iconic um, brown color. And it actually will turn on its side and balance on its side, like on a, on a diamond shape. So when I do my, my trainings about Cointreau, it's all about the balance that it can create for your cocktails. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Something that I think find really fascinating about Cointreau is the oranges, because this is not... You know, these aren't the oranges that we buy at the grocery store that are going into Cointreau, right? Correct. Um, yeah, using bitter orange peels and sweet orange peels, and it is only the peels. We do not use the fruit. So that alone is going to create a very unique balance. And the idea behind that and then the amount of sugar is we wanted the most amount of orange essence with the lowest amount of sweetness. So triple sec, meaning three times concentrated, and sec is the French term for dry or meaning less sugar. So that's where that whole terminology comes from. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, I hope that uh, the listeners get a chance to pick up one of these books and make the recipes that have Cointreau in it that are in the book. Ditto. Thank you. Yes. Thanks. Good job, Sarah. That was that was great. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well <laughs> All right. Um, one last question I thought of as uh, Sarah was asking her questions. And this is to anybody, any of you five that are there. I don't know, you all may have uh, the same answer or a different answer. I'm not sure. What is the trickiest cocktail to make in Once Upon a Cocktail, West Hollywood? Mm. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my answer based on very recent experience. And can I guess are... it? Can I guess it? Can I <laughs> <Yes>. guess it? <laughs> is it the is it the Jello shots by any chance? Yes. <laughs> yes. So there are a few cocktails in here that do involve some some pretty high-end techniques like sous vide, you know, stuff like that. But I, <laughs> I decided that we 
should put my vegan daiquiri jello shots in the book. Um, you know, have a vegan product in is nice. I just thought it was a really, a really cool thing to highlight. And I'd been making them for a while and I really liked them. And then after I was on the road, decided that I wanted to put the, to serve the shots in lime shells. So we added that into the book, but then it turns out when you put the mix into the lime shells, it pulls a lot of bitterness out of the shells. So then there was this whole process into figuring out how to get around that, which we did. So the development of that was a lot, but then it seems like once all that was worked out, I didn't, it was fine. No, no big deal. I was making them in the van and giving them to people we met and sat at campfires with. It was great. It was a fun thing to have, but for <laughs> this party at, that we just had at Lapeer Hotel last night, the former home of the cocktails that I have in the book, um, I made these vegan jello shots for it. And it's agar agar is what's in it instead of gelatin. And I measured the agar I, I, when I was um, tra- when I was making the recipe bigger to, to make it for a hundred shots instead of the number that's in the book. Uh, I put the wrong quantity in for the agar agar and totally messed up my jello shot recipe. And because it's in these lime peels, I have to, I can't do it too far in advance or the lime peels will start to brown. So it's midnight the night before the party and I mess up this recipe and I have nowhere to get more of one of the spirits. And it was a, it was an absolute disaster. There were definitely salty tears cried into the jello shots. But I was able to work it out yesterday morning and get fresh jello shots made and it turned out great. But so based on that experience, I'm gonna say those jello shots uh, have been for me the the hardest thing in the book, which is <laughs> ironic. <laughs> I love that. I would not have guessed that. Um, <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. And yep. Tracy, this is Lauren. And based on, based on Sarah's experience, I'm going to go with the jello shots are the hardest thing in the book for me as well. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I've just got it back to New York, so I'm going to go through it. I'm going to start with the P Diddy with Heidi's P Diddy, and then I'll go to the jello shots and I'll make sure I have all my sous chefs with me. <laughs> All right. Well, it is 5.32 p.m. here in New York, and that means it is happy hour. Uh, I think I'm going to go pour myself a nice La Gratona Reposado over mm. the rocks with a side of freshly squeezed lemon juice. Um, my my house is... Speaking about a great female spirit. Yes, exactly. Yes, it is. That is, if you love Reposado and want to support female brands, uh, La Gratona is, I've recently discovered that in the last year, and it is a phenomenal Reposado. And the bottles really- She sexy. uses all recycled glass for her bottles too. Oh, I love the bottles. I have them lined up above our uh, our table, Sangela Shop. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So before we sign off, Katie, can you tell us the best way to support you and where our listeners can find the book? Absolutely, I can. Um, you can buy it from onceuponacocktail.world and you can also support the venues that are buying the books in. We've got it into Book Soup, Fred Siegel, Suckers uh, of Books, uh, Springboard Hospitality, have them at four hotels, 
Andaz Hotel, the Chamber of Commerce is selling them. I mean, pretty much everyone's selling them around town. And I really appreciate if you could support them, which indirectly is supporting us. Fantastic. And thank you all once again for your time. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Bryn. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for your time and for joining me today and for being a part of this incredible project. Thank you, Tracy. This was so much fun. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so much. Oh, I can't wait to meet all of you. My next trip to LA and uh, have y'all, I'm jealous. Y'all are going to have so much fun tonight at the event at the bar next door. And uh, for those of us listening, make sure you check out um, the bar next door uh, located at 9159 Sunset Boulevard to see Bryn. And please do oh, have a test also to see Heidi. That's also on Sunset. Uh, is that 8,500? Yes, it is. 8,500 sunset. Um, and Tessa's got a wonderful, wonderful meal. Um, we just had Dine LA. Um, it's, they've got a great happy hour, great wine program. It's a really a, a unique uh, restaurant there uh, up on the Sunset Strip. Um, and Heidi can whip you up a unique libation. And a P. Diddy, is that on the menu there, Heidi? Uh, currently, it's Bad Bunny. It'll, oh, we'll God. be back to P. Diddy in the springtime. Oh, my God. Okay, we'll go have a Bad Bunny. <laughs> Oh, wow. What a fun, fun, fun uh, podcast episode. Um, that's a wrap on part two of the Once Upon a Cocktail episode on We Know We Ho. Uh, please do yourself a favor and go out and get one of these books for yourselves immediately at all the places that Katie um, recommended. We'll have those in the show notes. You can also find it online at onceuponacocktail.world. Uh, and just a reminder, as we sign off here to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode and follow us on social media on Instagram at we know we ho underscore official. Thanks for listening. Make sure you go back and listen to part one if you haven't and stay tuned for the next we know we ho podcast episode. Bye for now.